All right. Praise God. <clears throat> All right. First Corinthians 11. First Corinthians 11, verse 23 to 26. Let's read it again. First Corinthians 11, verse 23 to 26. It says that, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was buried, took bread, which the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given things, he broke it and he said, Thick, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he took the cup and he sopped and saying, This is the cup of my of the New Testament in my blood. Do this. It says, Do this do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. And as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do it and you show the lost death till it comes. So we said that um, we looked at um, uh, we, we, we looked at the references and we said that um, the Passover, we traced the Passover, right? In the last session, we traced the Passover in Exodus 12 and we said it's a feast, right? That, uh, that was uh, as a result of their leaving Egypt. The Israelites, yeah, it, they were in bondage in Egypt, yeah, leaving Egypt. And we saw the institution of the practice, how it is made a practice for them that they celebrate it every year. And I said that, I said something that it is very clear that it has been a practice since Jesus, even before Jesus. And that is a practice they do every year and they celebrate it often. And I said that we, oft, we ought to notice something. And we look at leaven and the unleavened bread. And we said, we looked at how Paul has explained to us that Christ is our, now our Passover. We, we looked at the current church. We've looked at, uh, uh, there was a question we are trying to address. And we said, did Jesus institute the communion or the Passover? And we said that Jesus did not institute it, right? He met it on earth. And he, he followed suit with the same custom. So he never could have been the one to institute a practice that he met on it. Are you seeing it? All right. But in look at something in Luke 22. Look at something in Luke 22, verse 14 to 20. Look at something in Luke 22, verse 14 to 20. Luke 22. Luke 22, verse 14 to 20. It says, And when the hour has come, disciples ask him, disciples sat down, when the, hour, when the hour was come, he sat down with the twelve apostles with him, and he said unto him, and they said unto and he said unto them, With desire of desire to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this, divide it among yourself. And he said unto you, and for I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of this bread until the kingdom of God shall come. In verse 19, he says, He took the bread and gave thanks. And broke it. We've already studied break it, right? Share, right? And give them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup of mine. Or after the supper, saying, This is the cup of the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. There's something that you must observe carefully. 
In Matthew 26, Jesus told them, take it, take it. This was in reference to his body, yet he picked up the unliving bread. What does the unliving bread mean? Not corrupt, without sin. And it was a statement with a figure of speech. He said, he took the unliving bread and he said, take it. Go to, put your hands in Matthew 26, verse 27 to 28. Verse 27 to 28. It says, and he took the bread and gave them and says, say, uh, look at the verse 28. It says, and he break it and says, take it. This is my body. He took the unliving bread and he explained and he told them, he said, what? This is my body. Now, in verse 27 to 28, he now says, take. And he says, he, he took the cup and gave things and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. In says, for this is the blood of my New Testament, which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. He says, this is the blood of the New Testament. Again, a figure of speech. As he takes the cup, which was to celebrate the blood of the partial lamb, Rabbi. Remember? Remember we said that in, in, in session 2, partial lamb. So the term New Testament refers to a new covenant. And the term new covenant was used only once. In the Old Testament book by Prophet Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 31 verse 30, 31 verse 31 to 33, Jeremiah 31 verse 31 to 30, where it says, I will make a new covenant out of Israel. So now, this is a prophecy that was given concerning the New Testament, in which God promised not to remember sins anymore. Because if you read that, if, look, look, go to that Jeremiah 31 verse 31 to, I wanted to skip it before, but... We have to look at it. It's very crucial to our study. Look at Jeremiah 31 because you understand what the blood and what Jesus was saying in what Jesus was saying when he says, take it, this is my body and all of those things. It will resonate with you what Jeremiah 2 was saying here and how Jesus said, this is the New Testament of my blood. Look at Jeremiah 31, verse 31 to 33. Jeremiah 31, 31 to the Jeremiah 31, 31. <laughs> it says, Behold, the days shall come, see the Lord. I will make a new covenant out of Judah, out of the house of Israel, sorry, and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenants which I made to the fathers in the day. Look at it too. Look at it too. In the day which I brought them out of the hand of the land of Egypt. Right? Can we say Passover? Which the covenant they break. Already I am an husband unto them, see the Lord. He now says in verse 33, 33, but this shall be the covenant that I will make in the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law within their, within their inward part and I will write it in their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now see, this prophecy was affirming that the New Testament in which God promised to not remember sins. Now look at how the writer of Hebrews explained this prophecy. This, put your hands in this prophecy, this Jeremiah 31 now, and go to Hebrews 8. I've always told you this intertextual corroboration. Let's look at Hebrews 8, verse 10 to 13. Hebrews 8, verse 10 to 13. See how the writer of Hebrews explained it. He says, for this is the covenant that we shall make in the house of Israel. After those days, say the Lord, I'll put my laws in their mind and I'll write it in their heart and I'll be to them a God and they shall be to me a people and they shall teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother say, know the Lord and... They, they shall know me from the least to the greatest. Look at what he now says in verse 12. He says, For I will be merciful to their righteousness, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. And in that day, see it, a new covenant he has made. 
It says the new covenant, he has made the first one old. Now that which decayed and waxed old is ready to be banished. Now put go back to put go back go back go back to verse thirty four. Go back to verse thirty four of that um, Jeremiah thirty one that we are reading. It says, "As they shall teach no man, every man his neighbor, and every man is saying, Know the Lord, and they shall know me from the least to the greatest.' Saying, the Lord, I will forgive their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more." So that shows that. He spoke about the Old Testament in this text, confirming the New. So now, what is this thing we call New Testament? It's a promise that God has promised that we will not remember sins. Hallelujah. Are you seeing it? So this thing we call, this is, you know, you see, as we progress in Bible study, these things that this translator did with us and put Old Testament and demarcation, I believe as the years progress in Bible study, you see I said this. You will start seeing Bibles that won't put it again. You will see. Because it's already a, it's already a conversation going on in, in the theological. It's, it's actually a, a problem in our mindset already. So that when you pick up the New Testament, you don't say, wow, grace. <laughs> Things are cool and relaxed here. You know, when you, when you are reading the New Testament, you say, hey. it's like God was so angry. God. <laughs> no. The New Testament really is that it will not... He affirms that God will not remember sins in the New Testament. So now back to that, our Matthew 26. So Jesus used the element of the Passover to explain his redemption. Jesus used the element of, his, of the Passover to explain the redemptive work. He did not call those elements his redemptive work. He did not call the Passover lamb. He did not call the unliving bread. He did not call all of those things the redemptive work. Just like in all his teachings, he thought with an illustrative manner. Are you seeing it? He used parables. I've always taught us the use of parables, figures of speech in his teaching. You will see that it is clear to us that he used the feast of the Passover or the unliving bread. You know, Passover, if, is it like I can either say Passover now or living bread? It's the same thing now. You've seen it. Now, to teach figuratively what he was about to accomplish. He was teaching them what he was about to do. He just used the feast. So Jesus was teaching. Now, let me tell you what Jesus was doing. Jesus was teaching realities from symbols. He was not giving them a new symbol. No, 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 no. It was like saying, we should now infer a minute to our independence. You know, if we want to be very, very spooky now, we can say freedom. Independence means freedom, right? We can say, wow. How God has freed us from sin. That's if we want to be very spooky. So Jesus took that day, took their events, took their symbols, and explained the realities from it. So he was pointing their attention to the reality. That's why you will look at in the book of Luke. You will see what he says. He says, Do this, remember, this is the couple of my bread and all of those things. So you, it's, so that's basically what he was teaching. He was making them understand that, see guys, we've left what we call reality, right? We've left, uh, uh, what they call it, uh, symbols. We are now in the reality. Okay, now let's look at another concept. We said... Received, delivered. Remember, let's go back to our se- section one. Let's go back. Let's go back to our section one. We said received, delivered, break. We, we studied break our broken. Let's go to remembrance. 
Let's go to remembrance. The word remembrance is still from that word zikro. It was a key word that was used and it's from the Hebrew word with a synonym with an Hebrew word zikro or zaka. But in the Greek, it's called... No. You tried, actually. In the Greek, it's from the word anamesis. A N A remembrance A N A M N E S I S which means to bring to mind. It's just the same thing with that Zakara we saw, and it means to think about, to bring to mind, to think about. So Jesus was not asking them. To continually eat Passover. When he says, do this in remembrance of me, what does remembrance mean now? Bring to mind, think about it, right? You know? So he was not asking them to continually eat. Why that he was explaining and putting their attention on himself that, see, you, I'm the fulfillment of that Passover feast. So it therefore suffice for us to say, that the Passover feast was to teach the Jew in expectation, in a promissory note. We can call it a promissory note of God's salvation from sin in the sacrifice of Jesus. I'll say it again. We can call the Passover feast a teaching to the Jews in expectation of God's salvation from sin in the sacrifice of Jesus. So, now, look at something. In Luke 22, verse 20, notice he used the word shed. It means to be poured out. That is, look at Luke 22, verse 20. Um, I don't want to assume that you know it. Luke 22, verse 20. He says, likewise also the cup of the supper. He now says, this is the cup of the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. That word shed means to be poured out. Poured out which will happen upon his resurrection. So Jesus was using symbols to teach reality. Jesus was using symbols to teach reality. So one thing Jesus did was that he has always been doing. Jesus pointed what they have been doing for several centuries to himself. He always like say, This is me, this is it. It's just like even it's just like even Pentecost. Do you know that? He decided to use Pentecost as a beginning. You know what Pentecost means? I think I've taught you before. I thought it's not I think. I've taught you before. The beginning of a new. And that was the day the Holy Ghost came. So he was like saying, oh dear. He's like saying, so that means that in our, if Jesus was to come in our world today, he will pick what we can relate to that points to him and explain it from the substance, from the, from the shadows. Are you getting what I'm saying? Jesus now can pick, let's say, our Independence Day. He can pick our turkey, how we slain a turkey, how he will die. Are you getting what I'm saying? Pick their traditions and point it to that. See, this turkey you are killing, eat this turkey in remembrance of me and call it a thanksgiving. 
That's what Jesus was doing. So he used their Passover, their unliving bread. He picked, you know, the, the unliving bread called sinless thing. So now, this is what, ah, I, I don't know if I should tell you this, but let me just drop it anyway. I remember we are having a conversation, me and some friends, and we said, was Moses very deliberate with his custom so that Jesus will come and use it later? I don't know if you are thinking. Was Moses very deliberate that? You know, Jesus said, search the scriptures, John 5 verse 39, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. He said, if you have read Moses, you have read me. So now, there's a conversation that went on one time. We and my friends, we were debating on this. And we said, Does it mean that Moses intentionally wrote what he was writing so that Jesus would come and act on it? <laughs> did, he have a, did he have a foreknowledge that Jesus is coming to use this Passover thing? I don't know if you are getting me, guys. So that Jesus will come and I explain and say, I'm the Passover. You know, today now there's now a word called Passover because Jesus said, Christ is our Passover. It was Moses, we studied that in some years to call the writings. But I can tell you, so, so, so this, I, this I said it. Did they, did Jesus, uh, was Jesus trying to, um, no, don't, 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 let me, don't let me trouble your head with those things. Don't worry, we'll, do, we'll deal with that later. So, the scripture testified about him, obviously. So he was explaining himself. So all the element of the Passover was explained in the person of Jesus. They said they will study Leviticus. Eh? And we'll look at all those scenes, you know, all those uh, uh, feast of the uh, scene of the uh, all those feast of wanting, feast of the <laughs> feast of the Olivine something. Feast of the what what's those feasts, those things? The mercy seat, the well, all the sacrifices. We're going to explain it to Why do you think it's written in scripture? So that you don't be glass. You know, some of you, you will read Genesis. You will read this. So when you get to Leviticus, you just glass trees. You just say, ah, and they pour up, they pour this. Go back to the town of me. You shall be blessed in, the, in your coming generation. You read down very well. You go to Joshua. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> what is that? HFS Chronicles. <laughs> Let's be fast. So, 1 Corinthians 5 7 made us to understand for even Christ is our Passover, the sacrifice for us. So, this explains the reality of the process of Passover. Christ has become that reality for us. So that Passover that they are celebrating, the real Passover is Christ. Hallelujah. Look at in Hebrews 9. Let's corroborate this properly. Hebrews 9, verse 12 to 15. Let's hear the writer of Hebrews explain it. There's this debate that goes on that the poor write the book of Hebrews, the poor not write it. We just, we, we, I think the, the theological would have just zeroed that it is poor. It is not poor. Is a writer of Hebrews who is a student of Paul. He had so, sublime. I remember I was taking a New Testament class one time, and they said, and they gave us reasons why we should believe. This is how the teacher taught us. He says, reasons why we should believe it is Paul, and reasons why we should not believe it is Paul. <laughs> it was, this book is actually quite, we don't know the other, the writer of Hebrews. But further people have told us he's a disciple of Paul. 
Because if you notice in Hebrews 13, the guy was still saying, pray for us. Paul's word, pray for us that we may live honestly. That's Paul's terminology now. Paul is the word I use pray for us. So he must have learned well from Paul. Are you seeing it? Uh, look at it in Hebrews 9, verse 12. So if somebody asks, who is the writer? You just say the writer of Hebrews. That's, what, that's how we say it, the writer of Hebrews. <laughs> look, at, look, at it, look at Hebrews 9, verse 12. Look at it. It says, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his, own, by his own blood, he entered into the holy place. Hallelujah. Having obtained eternal redemption for us. Look at how the guys, look at how this writer of Hebrews said it. And that says, for if the blood of bulls and of goats and of ashes of an ifa sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the preflying of flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the internal spirit offered himself without spot to God? Call, this guy was thorough. He said, he even poured your counselors from dead works to serve the living God. He now says, for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament. This is the real New Testament. He now says, that by the means of death, for the redemption of the transgression that we are under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Hallelujah. Look at Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 verse 12 to 14. Hebrews 10 verse 12 to 14. But this man, after he has offered one sacrifice of sin forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his fools too. For by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Glory to God. So we are not going to go through a feast. A, a cup, a something, so that we can be holy. No, Mm-mm. we don't need that. He has done it once through his death. Holy to God. Look at it, even in Luke 24, verse 44, he says, These are the words I speak to you that these things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, the Psalms, the prophets concerning me. So the Passover has been fulfilled today. The word fulfilled means. It, mean, it implies to get to the end, to meet an obligation. So this is correct. So it is correct for us to say that the Passover feast ended with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. So I can tell you today that the Passover feast was symbolic. Don't forget, what did Moses tell them that the Passover feast will do? That once they sprinkle the blood, right? Right, guys? Remember, Exodus 12. Once speak with the speaker, the 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 angel of death, I mean the death will pass over them. The destroyer will pass over them. That was what the Passover was for. It will pass over them. But they will now celebrate a feast of the unliving bread, right? To commemorate that event of them being delivered from Egypt. And Christ today has fulfilled that for you and I. Glory to God. Yes. He, he has fulfilled it for us. We don't need another Passover. We don't need another celebration of Passover. He has already called the unliving bread his body. He explained that shadow and said, see, this one corrupting you is the body. Hallelujah. Now, let's go back to our 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. 26. So, where he now says, 
Look at what he now says. Because I want us to understand it. Uh, is it clear to this point that the Passover has been fulfilled, right? The Passover, the, what, does it, what does fulfill means? When you see the word fulfill, it means to get to an end, to meet an obligation. So Jesus has fulfilled all requirements of the law for us. So we don't need the blood to be sprinkled on our doorpost anymore. In fact, we are washed and bought with his blood. Glory to God. Are you seeing what he did? See, you, as you grow in Bible study, you appreciate the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ more. It's the crux of the gospel. You can't take it out. How do you want to zero what God, what took God to come down as a man and take it as a plea? That's the crux. That's now the body. That's the bread. That's, that, that wine they are drinking, it's his blood. That we have drank and we are living forever. You know why? You know they were preserving their lives from death. Destroyer, right? We will be delivered. Hebrews, look at Hebrews. Look at the book of Hebrews again. Look at Hebrews 4. Or Hebrews 2. Look at, look at Hebrews 2, verse 14. Hebrews 2, verse 14. Are you there? Hebrews 2, verse 14. It says, For as much then as children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself took part in the sin, that he might through death, he might destroy him. If you see the word destroy him, it should give you an exodus background. He might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, who delivered them. Now, what background is coming to your mind? When you see deliverance, what's, what's the background? Exodus. Who delivered them through fear of death? Where their lifetime subject to what? Who were the people subject to bondage? The exodus people. So he has delivered us from it. So when we say Christ is our Passover, <laughs> it means he has fulfilled all requirements. We don't need it again. Oh, <laughs> God. Now, let's now look at another diocesis. Let's go back to our, where we started from or where we've always been starting from. So you see why I started with Paul? <laughs> let's go back to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 26 now, where he says, for as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, do this, ye do show the lost death you come. Ah, she be as fulfilled it. Why are you still? <laughs> Let's do, we want to do some grammatical analysis. Now, have we answered the question of did Jesus institute the Passover? Did he institute the Passover? No. He didn't. Was Paul teaching? Now, We've not, answered the, we've not answered one question. Did Jesus institute the communion? You know, we've not answered that. We've called, we, we call communion. We said, did he, or, okay, let's do it this way. We said, did Jesus institute the communion or the Passover? What do we call communion? The Passover. Let me just go and just answer it once and for all. <laughs> I, just, I just wanted to make your mind think. That thing is, is just communion. Are you getting what I'm saying? The whole Passover and everything is communion. <laughs> Does that make sense? So did Jesus institute it? Was Paul teaching the practice of Passover or was he referring to something else? We've not answered that too. We have not yet answered that one. Let's go back to that, our other question. 
Does he mean he was handing that a tradition expected to be kept, or was he giving an was he giving an instruction using this analogy? We have not yet answered it. Let's look at the grammatical analysis in in First Corinthians eleven twenty six. Just to bust your way, I think in section two I made you. Is this section one or section two where I made you feel like communion is different from Passover? Was this section one or section two? Anyone? Is there's no difference? Is communion? That thing you call Passover is what we call communion today. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? That's what we call communion. There's no difference. <laughs> okay. So you see why if you want to pick a series. Who can just listen to section one? Finish it. <laughs> Are you hearing? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Just pick one season. Don't say, hmm, communion is different. Hmm, that's deep. Calm down. <laughs> it's just to keep your mind thinking. Okay. The what show in First Corinthians eleven twenty six? Because he said, take this word. He says, you do show. The lost death you come. That was true is the word katagelio, K-A-K-A-T-A-G-E-L-L-O. G-G, sorry, not G-G-E, G-G-E-L-L-O. It implies to proclaim. That was show there. It implies to proclaim. Katagelio, it implies to proclaim. It implies... To preach, to speak of. So when he says, as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the lost death of the God. So that was show now means you do proclaim, you do preach, you do speak of, and it was used seven times in Paul's writing. Look at Romans, let's look at some references. Was used seven times. Romans 1, verse 8. Romans 1, verse 8. Let's, let's look at how it was used. See, scripture explaining scripture, right? Mm-hmm. Romans 1, verse 8. Are you learning something, guys? Okay. It says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ, of whom your whole faith is spoken throughout the world. That was spoken. Can we say shown throughout the world? Can we say that? All right. Look at 1 Corinthians 2 1. First Corinthians 2 1. And I, brethren, when I came unto you, I came not with excellency of speech of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. If you are very smart, what's, what's the show there? Declaring. declaring. That's smart. Declaring unto you. Alright, look at it. First Corinthians 9 14. We are looking, we are seeing what where Katajelio is used now. Look at 1 Corinthians 9 14. It says, even as even as the Lord has ordained that ye should preach the gospel, you should live with God. What's the catagelio there? Preach. All right. Look at 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, Where we have read, it says show. Are <laughs> you seeing it now? Now, look at Philippians 1, 16. Philippians 1, 16. I told you it was used seven times. Philippians 1, 16. I think I'm going back to my born again state. Don't say, please don't get born again. We believe, we believe. <laughs> Philippians 1, 16. For the one... Mm, are you there? For the one preach Christ. What's the catechism there? Preach. Philippians 1.18. Look at it 
What's the what's the what's the category there? Priest. Colossians 1.28. Whom we preach, one in every man. That's category of preach. So it's clearly seen that what's shown in 1 Corinthians 11.26 was implying preaching. Hence, it is implied that the practice of the feast proclaimed or thought the death of the Lord. Now, how was this done? How was this done? How was this? To explain this carefully, follow the explanations of Passover. You have to look at the context carefully. Let's go back to that, our first Corinthians 11. Context is very key. I read it to you in section 1, but let's look at it again. Context is very key. Look at first Corinthians 11 verse 17. Are you there? Are you enjoying this, guys? Yes, sir. Is it making sense? First Corinthians eleven seventeen. He says, "Now in this I declare unto you, I praise you not that ye come together for the better, but for the worse." Now observe the word. He says, "Now that word now means that which has been discussed under the use of words, and it's like saying a continuous, like saying uh, we are changing our subject matter. It's from the Greek word d d e." And it shows a change of subject matter from the previous discourse. And that's why in verse um, 18, it now says, For first of all, when ye come together in church, I hear that there be divisions among you. That word for, for is from the Greek word ga, G-A-R, and it means because, uh, which means because that, that is based on the fact that they did not get better in their coming together. This is what was happening. Are you seeing it? The reason why they were not better in their coming together in verse 17 is because of the divisions that we're happening. Are you seeing it? Notice, follow my explanation. Am I too fast? I think I'm getting fast. Okay. Now he's telling them this. Now notice that when they came together, it was a gathering, right? And in that gathering, there was division among them. Look at in verse 20. He now says that, when ye come together, therefore into one place. This is, he says, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. What's the Lord's Supper? Now, was the Lord's Supper the same as the Passover? We need to answer that question. Was the Lord's Supper the same as the Last Supper? Now, in explaining, why, why, am I, why are we going through this route? In explaining scriptures, you have to be very patient. In explaining this, let's look at the previous chapter. Because to understand what the writer is saying, we have to look at, that's why I started this series with explaining the book of Corinth. So that you can first understand the background of what is going on in that church. Are you getting what I'm saying? So now, let's look at the entire book. Because we have to look at the entire book, the entire chapter to understand what is really even the Lord's Supper. Because what we have been looking at is coming, you know, Passover on living bread. Where did Lord's Supper came into it? Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, look at 1 Corinthians 10. Let's start from verse 1 to 17. Are you, we're, we're about to read. Follow. Okay, just to keep you going in this reading. I will read verse 1, you read verse 2. <laughs> so that you, all, of yours are, all of us are in one accord. Alright, look at 1 Corinthians 10 verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I will not that ye be ignorant. Please, I beg you. I, I really beg you. Please pay attention. Are you, we, are, we, are, we are getting to the dicey part. Are you getting what I'm saying? Alright, first of all, moreover, brethren, I want you to read this story very well. Not story, this scripture very well. Moreover, brethren, I will not that ye be ignorant, how that our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea. Verse 2. In verse 3, it says, And they did eat from the same spiritual meat 
and they did all drink the same spiritual drink. For the, they drank the spiritual, it says, for they, I just want to read it to be fast. It says, for they drank, just follow carefully, are you getting what I'm saying? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things are example to us, to the intent that wish we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. Now, why did, you know, we we're talking about that three million people that did not believe. What did they lust after? Neither be ye idolaters, as some of them were. As it is written, those people sat down, eat and drink, and they rose up to play. Are you seeing it? <laughs> Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell one day 320,000. The Lord perished. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them tempted as they were all destroyed of the serpent. <laughs> Neither murmur as some of them did. He, look at what Paul did. He was bringing the background. So, can we say this is an Exodus story? See, let me tell you. If you want to understand Corinth, understand Exodus. I will teach you someday. I will first teach you one series. Just on Nari Corinth. Another as the another year, I will teach you with the Exodus background. You have to see it side by side. If you don't understand the Exodus, you cannot understand Corinth. Paul picked his narrative like this from Corinth, from, from Exodus. Because it's like saying, ha, ah, the same problem Moses faced is now in my front. <laughs> Are you seeing it? They were murmuring in the church. They said, neither murmur as you as some of them murmured and they were destroyed of the destroyer. Look at what it said. It says, these things happened unto them for examples. Why were they written? They were written for admonition upon whom the ends of the words are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh is standard, let's take it less he fall. There has no temptation. Take him. Now, when he says he fall, he's not talking about you, eternal salvation. He's not talking it's just... It's just conduct now. It says, There are no temptation taking you, but such that is common to man. But God is faithful, he will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able. But you will be, but we, the temptation, you may be able to, a way to escape, bear it. Wherefore, my brethren, beware and flee from idolatry. I speak to as many wise, judge ye. Look at in verse 16, very key, where I've been trying to get to. It says, This, the cup of blessing, which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? the blood of Christ, the bread we break. Is it not the communion? See where the word communion came from. See it now, guys. Are you seeing where the word came from now? So that's bread now. Is it not the Passover is referring to? The blood and all of those things. Now, see the, is it not the communion of the bread of Christ? So are you seeing where? See that if you have not listened, if you do not follow from session one now to this place, you will not get it. So when you are giving people series, don't give them track one alone. Give them the entire album. <laughs> are you hearing what I'm saying? Tell them, make sure that, tell them to listen to everything. Do. <laughs> Please. Very key. <laughs> so the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we are one, say, for we being one, for we being many, are one bread. Really? Wow. It says, for we being many, are one bread, and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Eh. Are you following carefully? Now, see you. What was Paul explaining to us in this text? Now, let's do something. In verse 1 of this text, moreover, brethren, I will not have you ignorant. Can we look at, are you seeing that he used that same word now in 1 Corinthians 12 too? I will not have you be an idiotist, have <laughs> Like, he said, I will not have you ignorant. How that our fathers. So who are the ignorant ones? The fathers. Who is the fathers now? The Jews. They are the Old Testament people and what refers to the children of Israel and in the wilderness. 
Okay. He now says, how do we baptize? We've studied baptism two weeks ago, and we said, baptize is the word baptizo, the way he must, right? So he was using a figure of speech now to identify symbolisms were induced here. You, you should notice. He now says, the way baptize, that is the way, the way he must into Moses. We can call, let me just explain that literally to you. It's like say, the way baptize into the teachings of Moses, or following Moses, or he must with Moses. Are you getting it? He now says, they drank of the same spiritual drink. That word drink is like, say, the word spiritual is from the word, Greek word pneumaticos. It means the things of the spirit and the pertaining to the spirit. Now, in Acts in verse four, it says, "Am I too fast? <laughs> hope I'm, hope you are following. Hope I'm not too fast." Okay, in Acts and they did drink all the same spiritual drink as, and they drank of that spiritual rock. So there was no physical. Now, notice, do you know that there was no physical rock that followed them? Rather, this is just a symbol to explain certain details to them. Now, look at something. Remember, in let there be light. You see, all our series this year is linking. Remember, let there be light. If you were very careful, I explained the use of it. How many of you remember? When you say, yeah, eat the fruit. Yes. Eat and drink. I explained it in let there be light. Who remembers? In January, I was teaching it. Eh? I explained it, right? Where it says, in Genesis 2, let's go to Genesis 2. Let's look at the figurative use of eat and drink. Let's look at that study again, because some of you that have forgotten. Genesis 2, verse 16 to 17. It says, And the Lord God commanded man, and says, Of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. Right? In verse 17, Of the tree of the garden, thou shalt not eat of it, for in day which thou eateth, thou shalt surely die. You know, people still believe that. It is what they had. They had a fruit. <laughs> That's what made them died no it's not it's, <laughs> it's not it's not a fruit too look at genesis 3 verse 1 to 6 it says uh now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field uh which the lord god made and he said unto the woman yea at god said ye shall not eat of any tree this tree. and the woman said unto the woman, we may eat of the garden of the tree they shall hurt it in verse 6 it says and the heat of the food and he gave to her husband with her so <laughs> I will never forget when I encountered one man who was trying to teach me this text. And he said, see, Eve ate it and Adam was not there. I said, no, sir. I, I was not yet born again very well. Yeah, you, know, when you know my context of born again. No. <laughs> I was not yet this saved. I was not yet this quiet. I said, no, sir. Let's check it again. I said, look at in verse 6. He gave her husband with her. <laughs> the man was dazed. He looked at me with, wow. I said, so, sir, don't please, don't be like me. Don't be like me. I said, so, sir, what say he? <laughs> I was really, God have mercy. So, so the man, he was like, and that was the bulk of his sermon to me. He came to do follow-up for me. You know, <laughs> me and I'm wondering. <laughs> Wait, that's pride anyway. I wouldn't do that again. He came to do follow-up for me and I was wondering. Hey, God. What do you want to say? <laughs> that's what I was wondering. That's what I was thinking in my mind. What are you saying? So I told myself, I'm going to counter every point he's trying to teach me today. So when he started with this one, I said, let's check it again, sir. I was quiet too, but when he brought this, I said, I saw. 
let's check it again. Is there, I said, yeah. I said, with R. So what say you, sir? He was, he said, yeah, wow. <laughs> That's why it's good to know the scripture very well before you go and do follow-up. <laughs> if you don't know, just go and, just use the pamphlet to teach. I just, no, they don't go ask you what you say, wow. <laughs> I did not look at this. Before I come and do my seminar, I make sure that I've gone through the text again. Because of all the texts you can ever think of. So that no matter where you want to bring question from, I was ready. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah, wow, with ah. Well, let's leave that. So, it could not have been that they ate a physical fruit and that made them perish. Are you getting what I'm saying? That cannot be it. You will go to the toilet now. When you go to the toilet and it leaves your body, so are you still a sinner? Obviously, no. Nothing is there again. <laughs> are you getting what I'm saying? All right, look at, it. Look at how the book of Proverbs explains it to us. Proverbs 13 verse 2. The scriptures always explain scriptures. So it cannot... Go and listen to let there be light. I'm just saying this for reference sake again. You understand clearly what happened. I think we did a... We, I can't say... I can't say, I can't say we did the very good work, but I think we tried our best in Let There Be Life series, right? I don't know I think we trusted, right? We went through almost all of Muti said, right? To look at, and that's just series one. No? Just putting that there for, <laughs> for, for future reference. So then when do we want to now finish this study when we when we start when we reach the point we will just be when we reach a point we will just be beginning <laughs> you know like jesus told his disciples i have many things to say to you but you can't bear there now that's how i feel every time i come to church ah i have so many things to say <laughs> all right look at Proverbs 30 verse 2 it says a man shall eat Good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of his transgressions shall eat violence. <laughs> Look at Proverbs 18, verse 21. Proverbs 18, 21. It says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So that means that word, that's, that's in the scriptures, when you see the word eat, is mostly figurative of words. When you see the word it, figuratively, it's used to mean words. So none of the texts were literal. So even in Genesis, that thing of they eat a fruit, you say, don't eat this, don't eat. no, it's words. So they chose and disobeyed God. It was a willful thing. It was not, the thing was tempted then. It was, no. They decided to, we've trashed that in Let There Be Light. Go and listen to Let There Be Light. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, so when Jesus said, Ye know, look, go to, mm, go to Matthew 20. Mm, this will make sense now. Go to Matthew 20. Mm. Are you enjoying this, guys? Mm. Matthew 20, verse 22 to 23. Is this, look at, look at something new. Don't forget, this was that, um, let's start from verse 20. So it will make sense. Then came unto him the mother of Zebedee's children, 
with her sons, worshipping him and designing a certain thing of him. And he said to her, what we now? And he said, grant that these two sons may sit, one on thy right hand, <laughs> <laughs> the other on the left in thy kingdom. And Jesus said, ah, you know not what he asked. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of? Look at how Jesus responded. And be baptized with the baptism with which I will be baptized with. They say unto him, we are able. <laughs> I'm sure when they saw Jesus on the cross, <laughs> they say, ah, now I know I'm not able. <laughs> <laughs> so, now, look at what he does in verse 23. And he said unto him, Ye shall indeed drink of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism with which I will be baptized with. But to sit at my right hand or the left hand is not mine to give, but it is given unto them for whom is prepared of the Father. You know, ah, Jesus was responding to the question of Mary, Jesus was responding to the Zebedee's mother about one, and he was explaining drink. We said eat now, refers to words, right? Words spoken or words received. Now, that word drink is from the word pino. P-I-N-O. That's the word drink in the Greek. And it implies to imbibe or to receive. To imbibe or to receive. To imbibe or to receive. Now, see. So, he said that are ye able to be so now? And and that word pino, it means in Bible to receive, right? Now, and the word and obviously is kai, right? From the Greek word kai. So he explains the word drink. Now, Jesus used the word drink to imply to be baptized with the baptism. And he was like saying, he was look at let's let's look at it now carefully. What did we say drink means? In Bible to receive now. So now when he says you know, are you able to drink of the cup which I will be baptized with? And the baptism of which I will be baptized with, I will say, you know, ye shall drink. Can we say, ye shall receive, right? Indeed of my cup and be baptized. That word baptized now means and, right? That is, and doesn't mean separation in the Greek. And means that is a conjunction, kairu. So that is, you know, so to, to baptize means to drink. Are you seeing it? Are you seeing it in this context, right? So he was referring to the baptism and the baptism, which is to receive. Can we say to receive? To imbibe? So he was referring to his death. And that was repeated in, that thing was also repeated in Mark 10, verse 38 also. You can check that on your own. So now let's go back to that, our first Corinthians 10. We are looking, we are on a journey quickly. Let's go back to first Corinthians 10. Hope you are following this carefully, please. We only took a quick break to other texts because of that word drink and eat. Let's go to verse 5 now. He says, but with many of them, God was not pleased. Now, don't forget, we said they all did drink of the same spiritual drink. Can we say they all received? Can we say they all received? They all imbibed of the same spiritual drink. And they did drink of the same spiritual drink. And the rock that followed them was Christ, right? He says, but with many of them, God was not pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Ah, why was God not pleased? Hebrews 3. Don't forget, we are still explaining this first Corinthians 10. We are still going back to first Corinthians 11. Hope you know where we are coming from. Don't forget. Mm-hmm. Hebrews 3. Hope this is not too much for you. It should not be now. You are a believer. <laughs> Hebrews 3. 
verse 7 to 19. Let's look at why they were not pleased. It says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Hebrews 3 verse 7, Today, if ye hear his voice, I taught you in let there be light, adding not your heart, as in the day of provocation, in the day of temptation and in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my work 40 years, let, when I was grieved with that generation, I said, Today, all, it says, they do always hear in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take it, brethren, lest there be any of you. Lest there be any of you in an evil heart of unbelief departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is still today. Are you seeing the word today? I've always told you in this church that the word today is a salvation terminology. It's not, it's not, um, it's not as English as you are taking it. Do you say Jesus Christ today, yesterday, and forever? It's a salvation terminology. I've, I think I've taught you this over the years now, right? Okay. Eh? Which church? It signifies, okay, good. You are, you are smart. It says, while it is today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sins, for we are made partakers of Christ, and we are owed to beginning of the confidence which right there, while it is said, today, if you will hear his voice. Do you know that there's always a today for the unbeliever? When we go and preach, that's a today. Oh, you don't know? If you hear, if they hear their voice today, the day you believe the gospel was your today. Okay, we'll get there someday. <laughs> if you hear, I think I will just stick to my teaching and stop explaining what it does not concern me now. <laughs> Adding not your heart as the day of Ogoro, as some, and when they heard, they did prove, how be it not all that came out of Egypt or by, came out of Egypt by Moses. When they heard, they did provoke Albeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was grieved forty years, was it not then which had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And he swore unto them that they should not enter his home because they believed not. And he says, Let's the he says, So we see that they could not enter the rest because of unbelief. Now, so the word adding there is or the word scleruno, which means to be stubborn, obstinate, and underyielding. So this stubbornness was in their heart. You know, we were just talking about that just a couple of hours ago. And we said that it was in their heart. And what Moses has told them, that shows they deliberately decided not to yield to what Moses told them. Moses preached the gospel to them, but their hearts were added. They added their hearts. That word added is from the Greek word skleruno, S-K-L-E-R-U-N-O. And it means to be stubborn, obstinate, unyielding. Right, and it was in their heart. That's why you see in Hebrews 4, verse 1 to 4. Hebrews 4, let us therefore fear, lest a promise be left of us entering into his rest. Look at the rest, too. That thing we call Sabbath day. We are going to re explain it, too. Sabbath day does not mean the Lord rested. You know, people have mistaken that thing called Sabbath day as the Lord rested, and it doesn't mean you to go and rest. No, it means walk. Like, like I said, I will stick to my communion. <laughs> for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them but the world was not mixed the world did not profit them not mixed with faith in them that heard it as they it says for we shall believe as entered into his rest as he has said our son in my rod if they shall enter into my rest although the works are finished from the foundation of the world for he has spoken in a certain place the seventh day on this while our God did rest from all his works ah, so you see are you seeing the explanation of it? so when the believer is saved he enters into his rest and the work begins so it's not really a rest 
<laughs> the work begins now. The work has just begun when you begin born again. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? So now, when it says the word, the word priest, there's on the word evangelizo, and it means to announce. And it was also used in Romans 10 verse 15, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 17. Now what was said to them was the gospel of Christ and they did not receive it. And it was because of unbelief. So this takes the fact that, this takes our attention to the fact that in that 1 Corinthians 10, let's go back to our 1 Corinthians 10 that we're looking at, where it says, uh, the meat, the drink, spiritual, it wasn't referring to symbols. It means that a word was preached to them and they did not yield to it. They did not believe. Are you seeing it? So, and thus, the voice was by the Spirit, as you know, and the voice was the meat, the drink that speaks of Christ. Are you seeing it? So, it was a word. That means they were fed Christ in the wilderness. They were offered Christ in the wilderness. They were offered Christ in the gospel preached to them. They heard the gospel, but they never entered into the rest. Are you seeing it? So, when it says, we all ate and drank of the same spirituality, can that be the message? Do you know that all of you in this church now, you are drinking of a well from, our, from us. You are drinking from SoundCloud. You are drinking from our message on, 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 on our streaming platform. You are eating and drinking of it. Hope you know. That is it. So they heard it, but they did not believe. So when he says to enter, to enter is, is to cease from his works, which implies that they were to receive, the, that what they were to receive would not be based on faith, in the promise that God offered them, but by the gospel, mm, I'm, 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 fast, I'm getting faster than myself. Ooh, praise God. <laughs> All right. So when it says to enter, to enter means to cease from their works, which implies that they were to receive, what they were to receive would not be based on what they did. It will be based on, I prayed, I fasted, I cried. You know, that's what some people believe that will grant them salvation. Some people believe it's the tears that they cried that makes them saved, though. <laughs> no. It's faith in the gospel that makes you safe, saved. It's not the tears. It's not the, for, it's not the confessing your sins one million times that, oh, you have, you have listed it. That, no. That's works. It's the believing Christ. So they were to enter into his rest. That means that they were to receive, what they were to receive was, would not be based on their own faith, but in the promise that God has offered them by the gospel. That's, that's when it says to enter into the rest. When we say you are entering into the rest, it's, not say, it's, not, it's, it's like saying you have ceased from your works. You are just going to enjoy what somebody has done for you. Are you seeing it now? That's entering into his rest. So, having heard the gospel, their heart was very added. They did not believe. They did not enter because of unbelief. So, the words they did not mix with faith. They did not enter. So, that was seen as rejection in the wilderness. And that was unbelief. So, in our first Corinthians 10, let's go back to verse 5 now. So, for many of them, God was not pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. That word overthrown is the word catastronomy. Uh, you, you learn the, letter, the word later. <laughs> catastronomy. And it means to slay. 
to prostrate. He was referring to unbelief, obviously. The same things we read in Hebrews 3 and Hebrews 3. Let me just give you that catastronomy. K-A. K-A. I'll spell it for you. K-A-T-A-S-T-R-O-N-N-U-M-I. K-A-T-S-T-R-O-N-N-U-M-I. Catastronomy. That's the word overthrown. Now look at in verse 6. It says, now these things we have were our example to the intent that we should not lost after everything as they are lost then. When he says example, who, who knows the Greek word of example? Who can remember? Tupos. We will study that. Go and listen to it again. If, uh, example is from the Greek word tupos. It was used for a figure of speech. Where did you hear the program? I think I taught you people what uh, walking in space. Go and listen to it again. Two posts. Example means two posts in the Greek. Two posts. I explained it in this It's an example now. It's a figure of speech, a pattern. It does not mean uh, it does not mean what should be, but a pattern, a figure of speech. Are you seeing? This is this is were written for our example, a pattern for us. Are you seeing it? All right. Look at in verse eleven. These things happened unto them for examples. You know, says, and they were written for our admonition. That word admonition is on the word nustesis. N o u t h e s i nustesis. N o u t h e s i, which means a counsel. It was used when we say admonition. It was used in Ephesians 6, verse 4, when it says, And ye fathers provoke not your children to rot, but bring them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Ephesians 6, verse 6 to 4. Titus 3, 10, it says, A man that is heretic, after the first and second admonition, rejects. I just saved you. So, in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 11, it says, Unto this things is written to the, and that says, Unto whom the ends of the world. That word ends is the word teleos, T-E-L-E-L-O-S, which means a fulfillment. It's like it is used for a tax obligation when you say it, uh, uh, when you say uh, ends, it's like a tax obligation. So when it says the ends of the words are come, it means something is being fulfilled. It's not saying the word is coming to an end. <laughs> it's just a Bible it's just a Bible grammar. You find it almost everywhere in scripture. It says to which the ends of the words are come. It just means a fulfillment of something. It's not saying that which is being fulfilled and all of those things. So when it says, I come, is what the word cantatao, and it means to arrive. All right, look at it, verse 12, when it says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh is standard, take it less for. That word standard is the word estime, H-I-S-T-E-M-I, and it means to make someone stand to become. Now, why, are we going, why am I going through all this? It's just for your proper understanding of scripture so that you can get it properly. Now, it says, the word thinketh is the word dokeo, D-O-K-E-O, and it means, it applies to appear to, and put up an appearance that is so obviously the people in the wilderness ate the gospel but did not believe and it's it's therefore was an admonition to the believer to hold his faith right so when you read this first corinthians 10 paul was instructing the church of Corinth that still your fathers heard what we were preaching <laughs> they did not believe they were overthrown in the wilderness so moses offered them christ they drink and hurt the meat. They were hearing the word. And they were hurt. He says, look at how they said it. He says, 
the spiritual work which followed them, and that rock was Christ. That is, the rock was the message. Says, say, but you do not, do not believe. In verse 14, that says, My beloved, flee for my idolatry. What did Paul mean by flee for my idolatry? Because many people don't know how to understand that statement. Somebody say, Why, how does this relate to Holy Communion? He relates. <laughs> you will understand as the years progress. It's just Bible study. What does he mean by um, idolatry? Galatians 5, verse 20. Galatians 5, verse 20. It says, uh, Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, wrath, strife, seditions. He, he explained uh, that word there. Colossians 3, verse 5, too, you see the word covetousness, and that word covetousness is the word idolatry in Colossians 3 5. In 1 Peter 4 3, you will see the word idolatry there. It says abominable idolatry. Idolatry is referred and regarded as the lust of the flesh. So having seen this, he made reference to the Jews in his teaching and he began to now talk about the Passover. Look at what in that verse 14 he now says, Wherefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. That is, we can say the lust of the flesh, right? Then he now says, I speak on this wide. Judge you what I say. In that is in verse 16. The cup of the blessing, which is the blessing, is it not the communion? What's the word communion? I've explained this over the years. What's it in the Greek? Communion. Koinonia. It speaks of fellowship, partnership. It's not communion means koinonia, fellowship. It's, called, it's a gathering, fellowship, partnership, a sharing in. It's, it, used, it is used a lot for feast. It talks about our fellowship, a physical things, fellowship. Now, in verse 17, it says, For we be, that word we now is referring to the Jews. And it was speaking of the Passover, which they were familiar with as their custom. Are you seeing it? Now, but look at verse 18 to 23. Let's, let's pay attention to this. It says, Behold. Israel after the flesh, are they not which eat of the sacrifices, partakers of, of the altar? What say I then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idol is anything? Hmm. Pay attention. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not God. I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Pay attention. No. Ye cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of the devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the lost table and the tables of the devil. The, he says, do we, provoke, do we provoke the Lord to jealousy or are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me. Look at this scripture that everybody says. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Hmm. Now, Paul was making a distinction in this verse 18. A comparison between the Passover feast and the feast of the Gentiles. Don't forget, I told you in section 1, I said this church is where everybody is, both the Jews and the Gentiles. He's not making a comparison and saying, 
between the Passover and the Feast of the Gentiles. So you know, the Gentiles are the un-Jews, the people that are not Jews. So he was making a pointing, he was making a comparison between, see you, the Passover of the Jews points to Christ. One is pointing to Christ, another one is offered to idols. Because the Gentiles don't believe in God like that. They worship more of idols. Are you getting what I'm saying? But the Jews at least have references to God. So he said, well, he was saying, look guys, this one, Gentiles so is devil. <laughs> Your own, the Jews, is referring to Christ. So he now say, you use of the cup of the Lord and the cup of the devils. So in verse 21, he said that they cannot partake of the Passover and also be partaking of the Feast of the Gentiles. This was an illustrative teaching that makes a decision of believers and unbelievers. That's why Paul had to tell us what communion has. Look at how he explained, look at how he explained communion again. Don't forget, he started with the communion in verse 16. You know, when he was to talk to us in 2 Corinthians 6, he says, what communion has light had to do with darkness? Look at it. He was, so the, the reference of this is telling you that just making a distinction between the believers and the unbelievers. Does it make sense? Is it making sense? Look at it, verse 23, where it says, all things are lawful. Lawful is from the word S-T, it's E-X. 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 E-S-T. S-T-I. E-X. E-S-T-I. And it refers to a right. It refers to a right. Something refers to a right. And the word expedient is, is from the Greek word sumphiro. And it refers to something that is profitable and advantageous. Something that is profitable and advantageous. So note something very key. So now, we said the bread is the body of the Lord, right? We've, we've described that, we've understand that. When Jesus said, this is broken for you, he was referring to a fellowship, right? Fellowship physically that this is broken for you. We store that word broke. It means shared, right? And I was speaking about food. Yet, he was speaking about food offered to idols. Paul was speaking about food offered to idols and not taking the communion in this instance. So in context, the, the reference to the distinction of the feast of the two nations, that is the Jews and the Gentiles, the intent of the discussion was for them to flee from idolatry. Recall something. Now, let me explain this carefully for you. Let me explain it again. We said the bread is the body of the Lord, right? And when he said Jesus' body was broken for you, he was referring to fellowship, right? Yet he was speaking about food. Offered to idols and not taking the communion. I'm talking about this contest now that we are reading. Now, when Paul was making a reference now, he was making a reference to two nations. The Jews and the Gentile nation. The Gentiles have their own feast, right? And the, the Jews have their own feast of Passover, right? Now, and don't forget, in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7, Paul already told us Christ is our Passover. In the four Gospels, now, let's look at something. In the four Gospels, only John was silent and did this say much on the practice of Passover. Only John, for some reason, Let's look at something he did. Look at John 13, verse 1. He was very silent about it. Look at John 13, verse 1. 
Look at, but look at how we look at how far we are going, right? Is Bible interesting? So I said, no, it's no more interesting. <laughs> so it's not too much. But let me tell you something. You will need all these explanations I'm explaining. Are you guessing? You will need to explain First Corinthians 10 one day, and you have to come back to this message. So you better learn it now. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? <laughs> look at John 13, verse 1. Now, before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart of the world, that's how this guy just talked about it. You know, says, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them to the end, the supper being ended. The guy did not. <laughs> it's as though he, he's, trying, he's trying to avoid the feast. <laughs> but look at what Jesus, look at what John focused on. Look at verse 4. He arised from the supper and laid aside the garments and took it over and guarded himself. Look at verse 5. And after he poured water into the basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and wipe them, he told where, wherefore he was guarded. Now, see you, the only thing this guy started talking about was feet washing. That he, he, he spent time with. In verse 6, he now says, Simon said unto you, Lord, would thou wash my feet? He said, this, that, that, that. That's what the guy was talking about. Though. He, just, <laughs> he seemed like he was trying to just avoid the Passover thing and just focus on feet washing. And you know this thing called feet washing has become... <laughs> I will tell you a story. <laughs> I remember many years ago, people is laughing because people know this story. I remember many years ago, me and my friend, there's a church we normally attend every first Sunday, every first day of every month, right? And the, the pastor used to do anointing service. I'm going to, we're going to study anointing service, another Bible seminar, not today. <laughs> what does anointing mean? What does oil and scripture mean? When they put it and they put the cross, you know, they put it and they put cross. <laughs> what does it mean? Now, I remember that day, and the preacher just said, today is not anointing service, today is feet washing. It was my mother that first called my attention. I thought my mother was very superstitious and religious. My mother just said, I don't believe in this one. Ah! When my mother said that, I told my friend, Jura. Jura said, ah, this one that mommy Benzie has gone. He's not going. Jura's mother too left. Ah! Jura's father left. Ah! Me and Jura said, she needs to wash my leg. My leg is cuckoo already white already, Joe. Let her wash it. <laughs> so we went to wash because the pastor said, wherever the soul of your fish are possessed, and the next place we are going to is school. How do you want to possess the school? <laughs> Let's look at where the practice came from. No, we're not taking time. Look at Genesis 18. Let's just explain that feet washing. Genesis 18 verse 4. I can't say something and I will not explain it. Now, why are you laughing? Why would I say something and I will not explain it? Genesis 18 verse 4. Let's look at, just like how the historical reference was. Genesis 18 verse 4. Let a little water, I pray you, be first and wash your feet. This is the first time it was. You know, I told you, when you are trying to study scripture, you will go to the first place it was used, right? The first rule. It says, let a little water, I pray you, be first, wash your feet, rest and rest under yourself in the tree. So the parties of was feet washing was mentioned there for the first time and it was a customary practice. It was just a practice of the Jew. But till today, people are still doing feet washing service. 
It's just Jew. Oh, we are, me and you, we are not Jews now. Me and you are Americans. Or Africans. Or me and another Rodians. <laughs> me and another Rodians. In my other road. Other road is a street where rain will be falling at your streets. You'll be looking at the rain like this. It's not good. Other means everywhere is dry. Other is like, is dry. You'll be seeing street. You'll be seeing rain in front of you like this, outside the street. And everywhere is sunny. They say, some people say it's powers. Like, <laughs> powers. <laughs> Don't say that. That's that our... Oh, that is, there's, there's a story behind it. I'll tell you people the story later. Not today. They say, so you'll be looking at rain. There was a day I, I came from rain when I entered sunny place. It was a good, it was like delivered from power of darkness into the kingdom of light. <laughs> We're seeing the rain like this. And the rain was not falling on that road. Ah. I'm an Odarodian. <laughs> In my other road here. We don't wash feet now. It's not our practice. I mean, where do people get all of these traditions from? I can't imagine now that I will sit down and I will start washing your feet. I say, wherever the soul of your feet shall possess. And the next place you are coming to possess is church. The next place you are going to is maybe my office. You now going to possess my office. Or you are going to work. You want to go and overrule your boss at work. I pity you. <laughs> Look at how Timothy is. Look at how Paul explained it to Timothy. First, five, first Peter 5 verse 10. First Peter 5 verse 10. That feet washing thing. Then we'll look at how John talked about the bread. And we'll go back to the Lord's Supper and we'll be, we'll be done, right? First Timothy 5.10. You know mission is possible is here. This, these are the signs and seasons. <laughs> this is almost 12, right? These are signs and seasons of mission is possible. First Timothy. First Timothy, actually. It's not first Peter, I said. First Timothy 5.10. Signs and seasons of what? Mission is possible. M-I-P. That's a season of MIP. Size and seasons of MIP 2023 is here. <laughs> it says, Well reported of for good works, if she had brought up children, if she had lost stranger, if she had washed the saints' feet, if she had released the afflicted, if she had diligently followed. So one of the good ways to know a widow who can receive support. You see, she has washed the faith feet. <laughs> now, washing the same feet here means it's a good work, an act of humility and service. It's just a custom. So it's not a doctrine. I'm going to probably do a, a, a full teaching because it's called feet watching. Just to maybe probably clarify it more. I think I'm not, I'm not doing justice to this. Don't worry. Don't worry, calm down. I'll do it. Let's go back to our John 13. Let's go back to our John 13, sorry. In verse 8, it says, Peter said unto him, Without never wash my feet, Jesus answered, If I wash thee, thou hast no part in me. Ah. 
Okay, what did we carry? What did we throw? <laughs> so Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but wash also my hands. My hands are my head. Cuckoo bath me. That's the meaning. Just bath me, Jesus. Jesus said unto him, He that is washed needed not saved, needed not to save, needed not save to wash his feet. But is clean every whit, and ye shall be clean, not but not all. In, so, in response to that statement, Peter answered. Peter answered seem out of place that you could have, and he could have. He, yet, it could have been refined to like literal washing of people's feet. And all he says, "If I wash you, and not your feet." You know, Jesus said, "If I wash you." <laughs> I know we, we can even say to so, "If I wash you," they, you know, <laughs> "If I wash you, and not your feet." So this. This is ultimately speaking of salvation, right? And in the midst of the ceremony, so Jesus was, so you know what Jesus was doing? Picking their ceremonies and explaining to them. Now, somebody will say, like I asked again, was the ceremonies deliberate? You know, that, you should, that should keep you thinking. Why is the ceremonies of the Gentiles? <laughs> Idols. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? That's you get into it. Was the ceremonies deliberate so that Jesus would now come and fulfill it? Or was it talking? We'll study that in years to come. So Jesus taught a key principle. So he was so he speaking about washing, which is a particular of him. And Jesus moved from that ceremony to the art of sanctification and he explained salvation in the midst of that ceremony. So John's commentary on Passover was also non-evident, rather. He was focusing on salvation, being cleansed by the offering of Christ. Now, so how did, Jesus, how did John explain bread to us? You know, we've seen how other writers explain bread. They don't say, take this bread. This but John used bread differently in his own writing. So when you want to read his own writing, you just understand what bread means. Now, let's do, let's do a quick, quick overlook of how did John talk about bread. John 6. Verse 32 to 35. Let's be fast on this. We are almost um, approaching the end of the world in this teaching. You already know what the end of the world means now. I just explained a couple of minutes ago. The f- exactly. We are approaching the end of the world in this teaching. <laughs> John 6, verse 32 to 35. And my signs and seasons of MIP. This is on MIP 2023. John 6, verse 32 to 35, he says, Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread. For the bread of God is which that cometh down from heaven and giveth life to the world. <laughs> you know, I think I explained this in which way. When is a man saved? You can listen to what is a man saved. And they said unto him, Lord, forever. Look at look, you know these Jews are really funny. Look at what they said. Lord, evermore give us this bread. <laughs> give us, just give us this. Then Jesus said, I am the bread of life now. You know, they were just looking at. I have the bread of life. He that comments will never hunger. He that believeth on me will never test. Glory to God. 
Is that the drink? Are you seeing it? Look at, look at in verse 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am the bread of life. He says, your father did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. He says, this is the bread which cometh down from heaven, and that a man eats thereof and not die. People will remember this song we used to sing in, that, in one fellowship we belong to dead. Some years ago, I am the living bread which came down, 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 down from heaven. If any man, if any man shall eat of this bread, he shall live forever. Do you remember that? Ah, you cannot remember. Pursue him and know him. You know, ah, we used to sing the Be found in him, can't all lost for him. Pursue him. Uh, I'll teach you. I'll say, Pastor, that's no communion. Go, go, go. <laughs> so this is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that any man that eats, in verse 50, it says, any man may eat thereof and not die. In verse 51, I am the living bread which came from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever, and the bread that I give is my flesh. Is that what the Matthew was saying? Is this almost the same thing Matthew was saying? Guys, when he says, eat, take, eat, this is my body. He now says, I will give is my flesh, which I give is the life of the world. You know, look at it, verse 52. The Jews strove among themselves, saying, how can a man <laughs> give us his flesh to eat? I say, eat this body, eat. Uh, ah. And Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat of the Son of Man and drink his blood. Aja. <laughs> ye have no life in you. He now says, Usweth eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood. As done what? As done what? As done what, guys? Let's read it loudly. As done what? No, you're not reading it. As though what? For my flesh is my meat indeed, and my blood is my drink indeed. In verse 56, he says, He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the live and Father has sent me, I live in him, so that he that eateth me shall live by me. He says, This is that bread which came down from heaven. Hallelujah. So, the daily bread, the real daily bread, is who? <laughs> Don't forget that was a, what you are thinking now. That text you are thinking about is a promissory note. He has not died. When he said that statement, forgive us our trespasses, he was going to do it. Are you getting what I'm saying? That was something he was doing. So it's not a prayer. It's not a prayer. The real daily bread. The real oven. The hot agege bread is Jesus. So when you got born again, what you did was to eat him and drank the blood. I used to tell you, I've been saying this for years. I, I think we will unravel. I think we will do a teaching Sunday. What happened the day you got born again? 
there's a lot that happened within that micro You ate the bread, you drank the blood, you, you were justified, you were saved, you were cleansed, you were a lot happened. Just that very minute. That thing has, I keep, any day I study God's word, I keep unraveling. So this thing happened again the day I got born again. A whole lot went, went on. That minute I received the gospel. Glory to God. So the real bread. So what was Moses showing them with the bread in the Old Testament? Pointing to Christ. So I told you it's in fact. When you read the prophecies of the Old Testament, you will see Christ in fact. Are you seeing it? So the real bread. So to eat and drink. So look at how John was explaining his own baptism with you. His own Lord's Supper. Just eat the bread, drink. You know, John's synoptic is very different. He just started from, in the beginning was the word, the word was God. He did not start with any story. So the only thing he wants you to learn about is, see, this is the bread, though. this is the blood, though. drink it, eat it, you have eternal life. So any man who has eaten, so when Jesus was saying, take my bread, take this bread, eat this, <laughs> and he says, and drink my blood, have we done it? Me and you have done it, too. We've done it when we believe the gospel. We did it. Glory to God. Ah! We did it when we got born again. I, I used to tell you something. I, this is something I normally write. I've eaten the bread. I drank the blood. And I live forever. Glory to God. Look at in verse 63. John 6 verse 63. It says, it is the flesh. That quickness. John 6 63. It says, The flesh that quickness, and the flesh profited nothing. The words I speak to you, they are spirit and life. So to eat and drink from John's teaching means to believe. Same as in the wilderness. The gospel that was preached to them is the same thing that was preached to us. So Moses was using the same bread and that manner to communicate to them, and they did not believe. That see, look at what God is doing with this bread. It's to show you, but they did not believe. So it is clear that his blood and his flesh are his words. They are words in the gospel. His blood, his flesh, they are words. They are in words and they are in the gospel. They are not symbols. They are not symbols or elements. I've told you, in the new covenant, there is no symbol. What did Christ do? Christ came to fulfill every symbol. Is the reality of all those symbols. All the symbols of the Old Testament, Christ has become the reality of it. In the New Covenant, there is no symbols at all. The very minute, I said this in baptism, the very minute we want to introduce symbols, we are raising dull believers. Dull believers. We are taking something and say, let's just play the strings. Hit this. Has Christ lived the blood? He broke it. So they'll tell you, break it. Hit this. He remembers of it. <laughs> so from John's gospel, so the, the gospel represents to us the body, the blood of Christ, are in words and not words, in symbols. That bread, that blood are words. The words of the gospel, not symbols. So from John's gospel, it is clear. When he says, take this body, that's my bread. He said he was talking about the gospel. If anyone believes in the sacrifice of the gospel, he receives eternal life. So now Paul put this Paul puts it this way. 
In Colossians, in Colossians, uh, I'm gradually coming to an end now. Paul put this in Colossians 2 verse 16. He says, let no man therefore judge you both in meat and drink. Look at Colossians 2 16. Look at it, look at it. Let's read it together. One, two, go. No, you are not there. I'll wait for you. Let no man, let's want to ready to go. Let no man judge you therefore in meat or in drink, or in respect to an holy day, or in new moon, or in Sabbath. He says, which are a shadow of things to come, but the what? So the word holy day refers to feast. And the phrase the things to come refers to what has happened in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. The word body is translated from the Greek word soma. It implies reality or substance. So Christ is the substance and the reality of all of those feasts. Feast of your living bread. Feast of the this. Feast of the living bread. Feast of uh, feast of uh, oh, you see all those feasts in, Le- in Leviticus and in the scripture. Christ is the reality. Christ is the reality. Look at how Paul put look at how Peter made put it. First Peter 3:21. Look at how Peter put it. First Peter 3:21. He says that the like figure unto even the baptism, don't even now we save us, not putting away the future and all the, the conscience, but the answer of the conscience towards God, but by the resurrection of Jesus. He says like a figure. That word is like antitupos. It, it refers to a representation. So Peter silences symbols here, saying that the symbols, things do not save. Symbols does not have anything to do. All those drinking blood, all those drinking communion, all those drinking, it does not have anything to do with the believer's salvation. It is nothing he's doing. You see, hey, hey. So this is where I have problem with people. What if it works? We're going to, I'm going to do a teaching. It's an apologia. It's, it's going to be an apologia of the charismatic ministry things I'm going to teach on. What if it works? That's going to be the title. We're going to explain it. What if it works? That's what a lot of people say. Should we have taken it and I was healed? Should we have? It does not have reality. There's nothing. You can ask. It's because you just believed in it. That's why you were healed. But it doesn't make any meaning to the believer. The real substance is Christ. So Hebrews 9. Verse 8 to 12. Look at how the writer of Hebrews says it. Hebrews 9, verse 8 to 12. It says, The Holy Ghost, this signifying that there is no way into the holiest of all, was yet made manifest, was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure of the time. Then presents which were offered both in gift and sacrifices that could not make him the service perfect as pertaining to conscience, which stood only in meat, drinks, diverse washings, carnal ordinance, imposed on them until the time of reformation. Look at what it says in verse 11. But Christ, being come into an high priest of good things to come, by the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither are the blood of goats or and calves, but by his own blood, he entered once into the holy place, having what? Obtained internal redemption for us. Look at what it says. But Christ being come. This implies Christ is the body. The reality of the symbols. Moses gave symbols. Using bread, wine to teach redemption under the law. Though he preached the message, but he used symbols to convey it. It's like saying, did you see? 
But these symbols do not communicate lies. Rather, they point to the life figuratively. So life, forgiveness of sins are in the body. The message, the person. That's why you will see in Luke 24 verse 47. It says, and repentance and remission of sins. We preach in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Ephesians 1 verse 7. In whom we have redemption. Through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Colossians 1 verse 14. In whom we have redemption. Through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. We don't have, we don't have to be saved to drink any communion. Hmm. Drinking the communion means you are born again. You drank it by being born again. It's in words. Forgiveness of sins do not come through things. It comes through the preaching of the gospel. Romans 8 verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sins, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. So, note that whether in the Old Testament book of the Bible, the four Gospels, the book of Acts, the Epistles, the Passover was never used as forgiveness of sins or to preach healing. That people use it to say, it was never used for that. Even in Hebrews 7, when it was making reference to Meshisedek and the bread and the wine, the, when it was making reference to Meshisedek, the bread and the wine was not even mentioned. It was not. So, all symbols ended with Christ. He fulfilled them all. All symbol headed with Christ, if we feel them more. So now, back to our major question. What was Paul teaching in 1 Corinthians 11, 17 to 34? Let's go back to our 1 Corinthians 11. Let's go back to our 1 Corinthians 11. Let's, let's start wrapping things and bringing things home. Has, has this been blessing us? Yes, sir. Has this been blessing us? Yes, so what was he teaching in that place? Now, let's go back to our question. I think our questions now can be well answered, right? Let's go to our question. That first question we said, we said, the question was, does this mean he was handed down a tradition or he kept an instruction for this analogy? We have understood that it's a custom, right? Okay, cool. We're coming back gradually there. So we said Jesus did not institute the communion or the Passover, right? So was Paul teaching the passage of Passover? Was, was he referring to something else? That's what we want, want to study. What was Paul now teaching? Look at verse 20. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 20. Is this, is this, is this blessing us? Are you learning something? Alright, 1 Corinthians 11. Yeah, that's the same thing. It's, because it's the same now. It's because of the same. When we say it's the loss of the same as the Passover. Okay, now let's look at it. 1 Corinthians 11. Let's go back. What was Paul teaching? When you go to, so we're asking the question of what was, was the Lord's Supper the same as the Passover? We took you to First Corinthians 10 and all of those things. But I think it makes sense now. Does it make sense? It's well understood, right? Okay. Now, what was Paul teaching when he's in First Corinthians 11, 17 to 34? When he says, now I declare unto you the praise and all of those. Look at it, verse 20. It says, when ye come together, you know we're in this place. Before we went to First Corinthians 10, right? Okay, it says, when you come together into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper here, in the key word, in the Greek, the word supper is translated from the Greek word D-I, D-E-I, D-E-I, P-N-O-N, Dipnon, Dipnon, D-E-I-P-N-O-N, 
D-E-I-P-N-O-N, and it was used for dinner. It was used for dinner, afternoon, evening. A meal, often a meal taken after midday. A meal taken after midday. And it's a word, it's from the word that name, D-A-P-A-N-E, D-A-P-A-N-E. And it implies something you eat well. You know, if, if you notice at the traditions that Moses gave them, it's something that they, they will kill animal for, they, they really prepare for it. Now, the word supper, re, let's look at the references of the word supper and the feast now. Look at Matthew 23. Let's just look at quickly. Quickly, 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 quickly. Um, Matthew, 23, Matthew 23, verse 6. Be fast. Let's do, it. Let's do fast opening. Matthew 23, verse 6. He says, now, who is there? All right. Now the love, now love the uppermost room at the feast and the sheep, and the sheep sits in the synagogues. Now that word feast here is the same as supper. Go to Mark 6 verse 21. Who is there? Mark 6 21. Who is there? Okay, cool. Mark 6 21. It says, and when Herod day was come, that Herod on his bed, they made what? Made what? Those of you that are there. It's supper to his Lord. See the word supper. All right. So Herod's birthday was a supper. Look at Luke 14, 12 to 14. Luke 14, 12 to 14. Who is there? Luke 14. Who is there? Ah, ah, you're still opening it and you say you're there. Luke 14, 12 to 14. It says, And when he also... And when he also to him bade him that thou makest dinner or a supper, call thy friends and thy brethren, neighbors and kinsmen, not thy riches, lest they also be the recompense of thee. When thou make a feast for the blood, the blind, and all of those things. So you see, it's, a, it's that feast. Look at John 12, verse 2. It's something they celebrate well. John 12, verse 2. Who is there? Favor. Liar. John 12, verse 2. And when they made a supper, you see the word supper? When they made a supper, Martha saw that Lazarus was one of them and sat on the table with him. John 21, verse 20. Who is there? Uh-uh, sister, why is Please no. John 21, verse 20. Mm. And then Peter told me, child does not even have a Bible again. Um. Okay. John 21, verse 20, it says, And disciples see the disciples of Jesus' love, whom leaned on the breast at supper. Are you seeing it? Look at it in Revelations 19. I say, yeah, I thank God. I wanted to always. Revelations 19, verse 14 to 17. Now, let's read this very well. I'm not explaining this so. I'm not explaining this, but just read this well. In verse, Revelation 19, verse 14 to 17, And the armies which were in the heaven followed upon him the white horse, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that he should smite the nations, and he ruled them with the rod of iron, and treaded the winepress of the fairness of the wrath of the Almighty God. And he had on his vesture, on the tie of his name, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying, With all the fowls and the flies and in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourself together 
unto the supper of our great God. This was figuratively about the burial supper of the Lamb. So now, uh, and so and in that, let's go back to our First Corinthians now. So we've seen supper now. That is something they prepare well, right? It's something that was eat, often eaten in midday, like their custom, right? Um, let's go back to our First Corinthians 11. Let's go back there. Now, so when he says, now look at in verse 22 now. When he says, what? Have you no houses to eat and drink? Now. Or despise ye the church of God and shame unto you and all of those things. Now, see, the discussion on the supper was known as love feast. Are you seeing the text we read now, how they prepared the supper, how people came together? It was a feast of celebration. We saw Herod use it on a birthday. We saw Jesus use supper for Mary and Martha. He prepared it. Are you seeing it? So, it was like a love feast. He did not mention bread and wine, dear, yet. In this verse 20, in from this verse 17 that we are reading, in this Lord's Supper and all of those things, they've not yet mentioned bread and wine, no. And it was not dealing with Passover, but the divisions that was among them. Let's read it again. See, look at verse 17. Let's start again. It says, Now I praise thee. It says, For ye come together, not for the better, but for the world. But first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. Now he was tracing it. For there may be some of you heiresses and we shall approve among you. He says, when you come together in one place, is this not to... So Paul is saying, when you come together to eat, it's just, he's saying, but it's just to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before the other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. And I say, what? Have you not have houses where you eat and drink? He was, notice that in this supper he's talking about, he's not talking about bread and wine yet. Listen now. Look at in Jude 12. Jude 12. This practice was also seen in Jude 12. Jude 12. So, look at Jude 12. Are you there? Who is there? Yes, sir. It says, these are the spot of the feast of charity. Use the feast of charity. When they feed you, feeding themselves with fears and all. Use that word feast of charity. You can see further. Let's see the further references in Acts 2 verse 42. Who is there? At 242, you should be there already. Yes, sir, I'm there. You're there, right? Yes. All right, it says, and they continue steadfastly in the apostle bread doctrine, fellowship, and a breaking of bread and in prayers. Breaking of bread. Look at in verse 46. And he continued in one accord, breaking of bread from one house to another. That's like uh that's like saying a fellowship. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now look at in Acts 6, even in Acts 6, when it says they will serve tables, Acts 6 verse, uh, Acts 6 verse 2, when it says they will not leave the word of God and serve tables. This was referring to the breaking of air and sharing food that was practiced in the church. This is not Passover yet. Though. This is not Passover. Oh. Passover is different from breaking of bread, the love feast, Passover. Passover is, I'm coming, I'm coming. Acts 20, verse 11. Who is there? Yes, sir. Only Sister Ewai is opening the Bible. People, I thought you are always there. Acts 20, 11. (laughs) 
when he come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talk long till daybreak, he says they broken bread. So in context here, Uticus was giving food to eat, having raised from the dead. It means that food was, they had to share food for him to keep him more alive and to hear the word more. <laughs> so I say, Pastor, I think we need this Uticus experience. Let's just be eating and no. The Jews believe that eating with the Gentiles, now let me explain something to you. The Jews believe that eating with the Gentiles misidentification with them. So this was seen in, um, do you notice something that happened in that Zacchaeus story? Let's go to Luke 19. We are looking at these eating issues, oh. <laughs> you appreciate what I'm doing to you years to come. What I'm explaining to you. Luke 19 verse 7. So the Jews, I said the Jews believe that eating with the Gentiles means identification with them. And this was seen, so they don't want to be seen associated. It's like saying there's that disparity, just like white and black in our world today. There was that disparity and discrimination of Jews and Gentiles. I don't want to be seen with the Jews, Joe. So when they saw it, look at the verse 7. When they saw it, the mom would say, that was going to be a guest that is a sinner. They saw that, ah, uh-uh. Jesus, a Jew, is going to a Gentile house. That is this boy a sinner. Look at even in Acts 11. That was the same thing Peter was facing. Peter did not want to go into the house of, of Colonius. Are you seeing it? In Luke 24, it says, Luke 24 verse 30. This was after the resurrection. Look at after the resurrection. Luke 24 verse 30. He says, he came to pass and he sat at meat with them. He took bread, blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. This is after the resurrection. This cannot be Passover again. <laughs> Hope you know. Now they are eating physical bread. So this was Jesus after he rose from the dead. He took the bread and shared it among them. The same thing he did in Matthew 14 verse 19. Who is there? Matthew 14 verse 19. It says, he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took five loaves and two fishes and looking up to heaven, he blessed and break and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples and the disciples to the multitude. So whenever they broke bread, they shared it and gave it to people. To break bread means to share. Are you getting what I'm saying? Fellowship. Share. So observe that. You know, somebody was telling me. I was talking to somebody one day. He said, you know, in our service today, we broke bread. That was years ago. I said, what's that? He said, ah, ah, man of God, you don't know break bread. We just had love feast. I said, ah, well, just a love feast. Now, why do you have to use? <laughs> why do you have to go? They pass through corners to talk to me. So, these days too, anytime I want to talk to people too, I try to pass through corners so that you know that I know. So, you, you know, we broke bread in church today. Now. <laughs> Tomorrow now we are breaking bread. <laughs> yes, I, Pastor, can we be breaking bread every Sunday? No, we are not breaking bread. So observe that in the book of Acts, this was done among believers. So it's a custom in believers gathering. Those who did share with those who will not have and all of those things. Are you getting what I'm saying? So now, you will see something. You will see something. Paul's statement. Look, go, go to back to... Uh, 
verse 23. Let's go back to that First Corinthians 11. You know, that's, that's been the bulk of our study. And we've traveled through, right? We started in First Corinthians 11 and we are ending in First Corinthians 11. <laughs> but I think after this series, anything concerning eating, concerning washing, <laughs> concerning drinking, yeah, I think it's, very, it's going to be very clear to you. <laughs> okay. Look at First Corinthians. Bible study is patient. Look at, let's go back to our verse 23. Look at verse 23 to 25, where it says, For I have received unto you, I have explained that word received, right? What did I say receive is? I know for his parabano. What did I say it means? Eh? Check your note. Check your note. Receive something transmitted. What did I say deliver this? Handed over. Now Jesus was the same night now. We said that historically... Paul is taking this statement from the four Gospels recorded by Matthew, Mark, and Luke, especially, and we, and we looked at Luke account and we said, this was, it's Luke that he really must have taken this thing from, and obviously because, you know, he's Paul's disciple. Now, so 1 Corinthians 11, so in 1 Corinthians 11, used by Jesus' teaching as the reality of the Passover to talk about fellowship and oneness. So now, now, I want to explain to you why I was explaining 1 Corinthians 10. In this 1 Corinthians 11, Paul used this 1 Corinthians 11 and used Jesus' teaching to explain the reality of the Passover, to talk to them about fellowship and oneness. Also, in 1 Corinthians 10, he explained to us that we are partakers of one body. Go back to that first Corinthians. You look at what he said in verse 17. He says, For we be many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of what? That's what? One bread. Look at how he was explaining it. So he was explaining it as fellowship and oneness. So the practice of the Passover feast was to explain oneness. All I've been trying to say is to get here. That the practice, because look at the kind of context that Paul uses. Don't forget, in the beginning, he explained to them that, say, he said to them that, ha, I heard that there be divisions among you just because of this eating. And I told you how much food causes division in church and all of those things. Now, it's to explain the oneness. Recalling that, they, don't forget, oh, they also had this Passover with their household oh, in Exodus chapter 12. As well as in the book of Acts, they hurt with people. Now, when it's used the word remembrance, it's from the word anemis, which means to recollect. And it's from that now, what did you say the other time? Amimnesco. It's from that now. And it implies to recollect. Amimnesco. To recollect, to call to mind. So when we say remembrance, it means to recollect, to come to mind. So, look at... So when he says remembrance, so you know, don't forget, Paul says, do it in remembrance of me. We studied that word remembrance and we said, it means to recollect, right? To call to mind, right? Now, you can see, look at, put this down for your references. Put this down for your references. Luke 22 verse 19. Luke 22 verse 19. Mark 11, 21. And Peter calling to remembrance. 
Mark 14, 72. Then Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said to him. Can that be said as remembrance? Just Peter called to mind. Mark 14, verse 72. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 17. 1 Corinthians 4, not 14. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 17. I shall bring to you the remembrance. 2 Corinthians 7, 15. 2 Corinthians 7, 15. Why is he remember? 2, Cor- 2 Timothy 1, 6. He says, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee. Hebrews 10, verse 32. But call to remembrance the former days. So now, so now, Luke 22, verse 19, when he says, do this in remembrance of me. Can we say, when this ceremony is done, do this with me in mind. Can we say that? Can that mean that? Now, observe that when the Passover meal has been enforced before, don't forget that, the Passover meal has been enforced before Jesus even came on the scene. So, hence, he was pointing their significance to that feast. Now, when you people want to eat, do this in remembrance of me. Therefore, the New Testament is the reality of the symbol. So you must understand something too, that the New Testament is the reality of the symbol. Now let's go to verse 26 of that same 1 Corinthians 11 that we have been on. Don't forget, what we started this is to explain that 1 Corinthians 11. And we said, do this as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup. Ye do show the lost death to your God. What do we say show means? Catalogio, right? It means to proclaim, to preach, to declare. And it was used for preaching. So that means to proclaim the lost death, to announce it. So when it says show in the conversation that we are having, so to eat and to drink, remember I told you, it refers to words. John's narrative, it refers to words. So it means to affirm something by speaking. So you see, you do show the lost death till I come. Now, look at something in verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the word and the blood of the Lord. Ah, When he says, the, look at the word body. The word body is the word soma and it refers to the church. The word is just refers to substance, refers to the church as seen in the epistle. That's why if you look, look at 1 Corinthians 12 verse 12 where it says, for we are one body. Right? We are baptized into one body. You just see that one body. Even 1 Corinthians 10 verse, uh, is verse 10 to 17 it says we have been made to, to be, we are, we are all partakers of that one bread and we are one body. So this implies that that one body refers to the church, the body of Christ. That's why you see first Ephesians 1 verse 22 to 23 where it says he has put all things to be the head of the church which is the fullness of, which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. You see in Ephesians 4 verse 14 where it says um, for the perfecting of the, for the perfecting of uh, the saint for the work of ministry till we all come into the edifying of the body of Christ. In Ephesians 5 verse 23 it says, for the husband is the head of the of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, the savior of the body. Now see, so the church is the lost body. So when you see that word body is the church, the church is the lost body. So now go to verse 28. Go to verse 28. I'm coming, we are coming, we are looking at something new. In verse 28 it says, but let a man examine himself. Why am I explaining this text? This is the text that people feels that if you do not take the communion well, if you do not take that holy communion well, something bad will happen to you. If you have not yet born again, something bad will happen. that's why I'm trying to explain this. But let a man examine himself, 
and, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. That word examine is from the word dokimazo, which means to approve, to discern. To approve, to discern. He now says, for he that eateth, look at, look at, he says, don't forget now, in verse 27, go back there. For whosoever shall eat of the bread and drink of the cup of the Lord unworthily. That word unworthily is the word anasios. A-N-A, A-N-A, X-I-O, A-N-A, A-N-A, X-I-O-S. A-N-A-X-I-O-S, which means unbefitting, unworthy manner. Unbefitting, unworthy manner. Now, in verse 29, he says something. He says, for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself. Ah, this is where people used to make you scared. That, ah, if you, drink, you are drinking poison. <laughs> That word damnation is from the Greek word krima. It implies judgment. K-R-I-M-A. It implies judgment. The word discerning there, where it says, uh, um, not discerning the lost body. The word discerning here means to separate thoroughly, to distinguish. In, in that word, it's, just, it's from the Greek word diakrino. Now, let's, let's bring all of these things together. Let's, let's bring all of these things that we've explained together in perspective. Paul was using the, the Passover figuratively to teach about their conduct during the love feast. Paul was using this Passover figuratively to teach their conduct during the love feast. Don't forget, the question we're asking, or we started to ask in this series, was what did Paul teach? In 1 Corinthians 11, this is that text that every preacher used today. Those, those practices or those churches that do only communion as a practice, this is one of their major texts. Especially the fact that this other text of if you don't eat, you are drinking of the word unworthily and all of those things. You are drinking damnation, all of those things. This is that text they got it from. Now, what, why, what was Paul explaining in this text? He brought the Passover narration. And he was using it to explain their conduct during the law feast. So, like saying, see, oh, don't forget, he used lost supper. And we looked at supper. Supper just means a feast. People breaking bread. People eating. That's different from... So, now, that question of, is the Passover different from the lost supper? Does it make sense? Is it different? It's different. The Passover is... What Moses instituted. The supper is what they eat. The midday, the things they eat, the. Are you getting what I'm saying? The supper is different. The Lord's Supper is that feast. It's when people are having feasts, you prepare for the feast and you eat. Are you seeing it now? So now, he used that supper. So we can call the supper law feast. So he used that love feast. He was explaining to them that their conduct doing this love supper, or this, this, their love feast too, is terrible. So he now said, not discerning the lost body. What did I say the body is? Body of Christ, the church. 
So he implies that they were not considering the church of Christ and the individuals, the members of the church. So this was done in their conduct. That's why he said, when you are gathered, in verse 17, you are gathered for the worse and not for the better. All of you will fight. When you finish eating, <laughs> when you come to church to eat, it will bring fight for you. In verse 18, he said, I hear that there are divisions in the church. In verse 21, he addressed the issue. This was what brought the division. He was correcting them. He was correcting their attitude. Don't forget where I started from in section 1. The problem of the church of Corinth. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. So, he could not have been telling the church of Corinth to be taking the Passover. Because in that same Corinth church, in chapter 5, he already told them Christ is the real Passover. Chapter 5, just some previous chapter, he told them the real Passover is Christ. So what did he do? What was he doing in chapter 11? He was bringing the Passover narration and explaining to them as he, just as they eat the Passover with reference, let's eat our love feast well. Are you seeing it? Let's desire one another. Let's consider one another. Before that, look at somebody who has no eating. Before you go and take more in that rice, has somebody else eaten? Are you seeing? That's all he was teaching them. And don't forget, I've told you that the church of Corinth is a problem church. So Paul was correcting them. The attitude of division, selfishness, was what Paul was explaining as they were despising the church of God, not discerning the lost body. They were not considering one another. Don't forget, is this the same church that somebody will take each other to court? So how were they considering one another? This is the same church that different things were happening. And in division, division was in food. So in other words, Paul used the Passover to explain why they should not be selfish when they come together. He used the Passover to explain why they should not be selfish when they come together. When they, when they come together to do what? To eat the Lord's Supper. You see that the Lord's Supper is different. When they come together, can we say the Lord Supper? Can we just use Lord's Supper as love feast? Right? Yes, sir. He said, when you come together in one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. That is, your gathering is not really the essence. The essence of your gathering is not just majorly for food. The essence of gathering is not just eating. You must also fellowship. But what they care, well, let's just pack, let's all pack the food and go home. Paul now say, have you not have houses? Look at the next verse. For in it, one take it, look at what it now says in verse 21. For in it, everyone take it before the order, before order his own supper. So we'll just pack the whole plate and just go. And one is hungry. And another one just drink everything and just drink all the whole wine and is drunk. And you do not consider another person that has not eat drink. Paul now told them, ha, 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 what? Have you not have houses to eat and drink in? Do you know that that Passover now, that's what we call supper. It is supper you eat in the house. 
Yes, you celebrate the Passover as a different feast and all of those things. But you, because of the celebration and everything, this food you are trying to carry about, this food you are, you are caring about, can't you eat it in your house? Can't you just cook it and eat it? But one brother, let's say like the cooler of rice that want to eat, we don't pack like 10 takeaway for his whole family, his whole brother, his everything, take all the drinks, half of the drink, get drunk in, I say, ah, that, they say, like 10 people have not eaten. Ah, sorry. And he walks away. And you know that can cause fight. Hope you know. That can make you, you know, <laughs> there's something that always happens in Nigeria where they party. They say, the food is never enough. And do you know the reason why? There are some people who are at the back who have kept some. I used to like it when my mother, many years ago, used to be involved in those kitchen things. My father said, I, my father would say, with Jerry, yeah. What the meaning is, I trust your mother. Don't worry, there's food coming. <laughs> and my mother never disappoints. Ah! Never. So others have not eaten, no. But those in the kitchen, they have cooler. <laughs> That's what the Toritia Church were doing. <laughs> So Paul was using the Passover narrative to explain to them that, see guys, <laughs> let's eat this, eat. let's consider one another. So in other words, Paul was teaching walking in love towards one another. So what was Paul? You know, this Holy Communion that we are studying, the real teaching we are trying to explain is what the Paul teach in this 1 Corinthians 11, right? We only called it Holy Communion just to explain the whole practice for all of you, right? And everybody. But what was he really teaching? Love work. Submit yourself one to another. That's why in the same chapter, the same way, in the same chapter, before, before he got to this verse, he was, he was teaching on covering of the head, which I will teach much later. He was teaching on submission and in, the, in, the, in the marriage institution, which I will teach later too. So he now buttressed his points in, in chapter 3. Look at how he buttresses his points in chapter 3. Verse 1, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1. He says, And I, brethren, I could not speak unto you. So he was, he could not speak unto them directly. He had to imply meanings. I will not speak unto you as to spiritual, but I to kind of you as so great with Christ. But I fed you with meat, I fed you with meat and not meat. For it to you were not able to bear them, neither are ye able to. Look at it, verse 3. What did he say? Let's read it together. First Corinthians 3 3. He can uh, whereas what? Strife and divisions. As he had no kind of work. So it's clear that Paul was addressing their conduct, strifes, division, envy among themselves. So he concluded this in 1 Corinthians 11. Look at how he concluded this in verse 33. Look at verse 33, 1 Corinthians 11. Good job. Is it making sense? Let's read verse 33. Let's read together. One, two, ready, go. Everybody, everybody. Let's read loud and clear. Verse 34. He said, I will address other issues <laughs> when I come and see you people. So he instructed them to wait for one another. Imagine what Paul was teaching the church is how to wait for one. So you see that there's nothing you can't teach. As a preacher, 
No preacher must run away from any issue in church, except he wants to set himself up. Once you notice an issue with your disciples, start teaching. Start immediately. Don't run away. Look at what Paul dedicated to teach. How to wait for one another when there is food. He said, the other instruction, when I come, I'll come and address it with you people. Me and you now, we don't know what to do. <laughs> what has to tell you that? Man, these guys were going through a lot. Are you getting what I'm saying? So what was Paul really teaching? Love how to behave yourself in the house of God. The love work. So the church of Corinth had contentions. They had divisions among them. As I close now, they had dealings in their church. And for those, they were not caring for those who did not have. So they again, this point to the fact that Paul was not teaching Passover literally, but Passover was a solemn feast. Now, why did they start saying um, unworthily and all of those things? He brought that narrative inside because Passover was an holy feast, something they must treat with reference as a result of what has happened to them years ago. So they, they regard Passover. So he was like, say, look at the way you take Passover now. Can't you do Passover this way? Are you seeing it? You see, it's just like how we in America take turkey and say, ha, turkey day, Thanksgiving day, this, that, that, that. So it's like saying he's not bringing that contest. I say, look at the way we honor turkey day and give it a special day and we are not going to walk to eat it. Can't we just regard this coming together in church very well? That's what he was doing. He wasn't telling us to go and be breaking bread in church. He never told us in this text to go and be doing this in remembrance of me. He brought the narrative of do this in remembrance of me. He brought the remembrance, he brought the narrative of do this in remembrance of me. That's why he used the words that Jesus said. And how did Jesus say, look at how they treated it. He brought that Jesus' contest and brought it to them in their own world. Look at what was said of Jesus. Now, let's read it again. Look at it again as we close. This is verse 23. Now, it will make sense to you. For I receive. No, before we, before we, let's start from verse 17. Let's read it again. When, now in this I declare unto you, I praise you not. He was not praising them. That ye come together, not for the better, but for the worse. Just imagine. <laughs> we come to, our main essence of coming together to church is to come and get better. But they, Paul said, they came together for the worse. <laughs> Look at the verse 18. But first of all, when you come together in church, I hear that. Ah, you, know, Paul, you know, Paul was not there. They, they were telling him. They, they hear that there are divisions among you, and I partly believe it. He says, There be heresies among you, which are approved. He said, When in verse 20, he said, When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. He now says, For in eating, everyone taketh before another his own supper. And he's hungry. Another is drunken. <laughs> That's the one that <laughs> baffles me the most. One person will drink. Some people will drink and just be drunk. And another will come and say, Ha! Ah, I've not drank anything. I say, Ah, it's finished. <laughs> Less time when the church is deep. Less supper. So poor. <laughs> you know, that thing would have. You know, this. 
hope you know that this really will not have been a once thing. It would have been something that has been reoccurring. And maybe there's a particular brother. Do you know? You know it's still happening. You know this is still happening at our church today. Oh, you remember when there's a church that we have people with many years ago. This thing always caused fights. I'm not joking. People legit fight themselves because of food. I'm not joking. Why are you taking that thing? No! This, uh, we, 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 they will not be saying, ah, ah. So we will say, ah, ah, we are Christians. We are in church. We just need this service. So women are like, no, no, that meat is too small. Ah, ah, have you not have houses <laughs> to eat and drink? But we say, ah, that is exactly what he was addressing. And you know that it will not be once. There must have been one brother or one sister that, that is offending everybody. Or a group of people that, Paul, they went to tell Paul, Sir, Pastor, this brother, <laughs> he always finish our food in this church. I drink our drink to the point that he's even drunken. For Paul to say drunken, <laughs> that means the guy drank to stew, but he just drank and drank. How Paul said, Ah, what? Have you not have houses to eat and drink? Or despise ye the church of God? Look at what you have turned the church of God to. So that means some people will come to church and be saying, so that will least eat. They will not sit down beside one another. Look at the vision. And you expect the power of God to flow. That's why the, that same person now will start. So imagine it is the brother that is leading opening prayer. <laughs> I say, so let's just lift our voice and pray in tongues. That brother will do interpretation. <laughs> the brother that was offended that he did not eat. We do, see why the next chapter he had to tell him, now concerning spiritual gift. I will not have you ignorant. Are you seeing the problem? Are you seeing? <laughs> that's like, there are differences of administration. <laughs> he puts them in order. What Paul was explaining of the gifts of the spirit because it was order. It's order. So you see, imagine it's the brother is leading open prayer. Let's just say Shebraka. No. I, I just sense in my heart. Hi, sir. So I just sense in my heart that we should praise and worship. <laughs> the kind of church. <laughs> that was the church of Corinth. Are you guessing what I'm saying? He says they despise the house of God and shame them that have not. So those that did not have, hmm, we already know you. Why you always coming to church to come and eat? Uh-uh. This is your problem. Don't you have us in your... They shame them that have not. What shall I say to you? What <laughs> What shall I say to you? Shall I, pause it, shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. He now, look at how he now started explaining. Are you seeing it? That is how to read the Bible. For I receive of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you. You see, I explain receive to you, right? What I got, I gave you. That the Lord Jesus Christ the same night, which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat my body. This is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he took the cup and he had sobbed, saying, This is the cup of the New Testament by blood. Do this often as he had drank of it in remembrance of me. We've, we've studied that, right? And as often as he eats the bread and drinks this cup, 
ye show the lost dead to his come. He now says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink of this cup unworthily shall be guilty of the bloody and the, of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, Dokimazu, let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. But he that drinketh unworthily and eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not examining the lost body. For this cause many are weak and sickly am among you, and many are asleep. For if we would judge ourselves, should we not be judged? But when we are judged, we are chasing of the Lord, and we should not be condemned with the word. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. Did it make sense to you now? Was it talking about how we should be eating Holy Communion? Never. He was only addressing an issue. Hallelujah. So, and if any man hunger, let him eat at home. That ye come together not unto condemnation. He says, and the rest I will set in order <laughs> when I come. <laughs> we don't read in context. The problem of the church today is we don't read in context. We just go and take it and move. We don't read the context. So he was addressing the division, the envy, the strife that has been from chapter 1. That's why, look at how I started this series. I explained the church of Corinth to you first. That's what was going on. So, Paul was teaching, was not teaching Passover, but he was bringing the Passover narrative. That see, the way you put treat the Passover has sacred with reference. Can't you be like that in church? And recall, you already told them in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7. Go there quickly. 1 Corinthians 5 verse 7. And he said, Pour out therefore the old leaven. I'll wait for you. That ye may be what? A new lump. As ye are what? For even Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. So he could not have asked them to be, to practice Passover. Because Christ is already the Passover. Having told them that Christ is already the fulfillment in chapter 5, he will now come and tell them in chapter 11 to be doing Passover. Ah, it's not possible now. So no one died by eating the Passover. In the... Now, let's look at, let's do something. Nobody died by eating the Passover in the Old Testament. So all those threats that they used to threaten you, if you're not going to get something happen to you, nothing happened to anybody in the Old Testament by eating Passover. Nothing happened to anybody by eating Passover in the four gospel. Nothing happened to anybody by eating Passover in the epistles. Nothing is still going to happen to anybody in today. So all those threats, even if you drink the cup, if you decide to say, I want to keep drinking and eating the cup, nothing is going to happen to you. So the issue that Paul was addressing here was divisions and people that were not caring for believers who did not have. So what, therefore, what brought some to be weak and sick and dying in that, look at that verse 20, in that verse 30, where it says, some are very sheeply. Look at the verse 30, where it says, for this cause many are weak, sickly among you, and many are sheep, was because people were not caring for those that did not have in church. Some kept drinking, eating, and they did not care. They were shaming those that did not have in church. That's why we must never, I've always told you, have a class church. Where you say, this is a doctor, this is this. We are brothers and sisters here. We will never create that dichotomy in our church. It will never happen. Whether you are the emeritus or the president, once you enter the church, you are brother. If Joe Biden comes to our church today and becomes a member of the financial community, 
He's the president to the world, but he's a brother to us. Brojo. Yeah. In our ecclesia, in our theology of the ecclesia, of the church, we must not create a guy kotomi. The very minute we do that, we are, dis- we are not discerning the lost body. That's what they were doing in Corinth. Uh, the rich, the middle class, the poor. So the poor said that they want to carry more food and all of those things. I mean, said some are sheep, weakly and sick among you. So they were not caring for all the believers. Love work. So what brought them to be sick? Because because of division, selfishness, and they were not caring for the needy. So was Paul teaching the practice of Passover in the church? No. But he was addressing their conduct, division, and selfishness. Blessed.